0: Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with pastor's notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app, where you can also submit a prayer request. We encourage you to contact us if you are in need of prayer. Today is part two of four confessions and our message today is watering the word. Pastor is really going to break down the difference between a confession of faith and a confession unto faith. He will show us how we need to water the word in our hearts in order to grow in our faith. Let's take a look.
1: We have got a word from God for you today. Uh, This word is gonna build your faith. I believe that for many of you, this word is gonna water the word of God, the seed that's been planted in your heart. You know, Peter actually compares the word of God to a seed. And of course, in Corinthians, Paul said that he planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Now, just because you and I have heard the word of God once, that just simply means it's been planted. But what has to happen, it has to be watered. Now, the watering of the word. And so often, the reason people do not see the manifestation of the things that they're believing for is because they don't water in fact, that's almost always the case. We don't water that word so that it flourishes and it grows to the place where it produces in our life. Now, how do we water? Well, we water by hearing the word. We water the word as we meditate in the word of God. It waters that word, and it's more and more. And, and as that, that, that word is watered, it grows, and we receive the increase that God wants us to have. Now, we have been talking about faith and we've been really talking about confession and about four kinds. And let me just mention them to begin with. And then we're just gonna kind of focus on two types of confession today. But the first type of confession the Bible mentions is for a person who's not a Christian and they need to confess Jesus as the Lord of their life. They don't need to confess all their sins. They've already forgotten half of them. But they do need to confess Jesus as Lord. Say, God, I believe Jesus went to the cross, paid for my sin, and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I receive him as my king, as my Lord. I'm going to live for him. When the person does that, the Bible says in Romans 10, in verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus as your Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That person is forgiven. That person's right with God. That person is now a part of the kingdom of God. That person is on their way to heaven. Uh, there's a traumatic change that taking, takes place, confessing Jesus as Lord. Second type of confession is the believer and the believer confessing their sins. If we sin, First John chapter 1, if we sin, we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we sin, we confess. Now, what that means is we agree with God. We say, God, I sinned. And and God, it was wrong. I'm sorry. God, I turned my back on that sin. In fact, I said, I'm sorry, but that's that's only part of it. You know, here's the thing. We've got to be sorry we sinned, not sorry that God doesn't like our sin. You can say, God, I'm sorry that you don't like it, but I like it. No, you need to be saying, God, I agree with you. This is wrong, and I'm turning my back on that sin. That's repentance. Turn your back. That's the the confession that the believer makes. We turn our back on our sin. And then thirdly, there is really a confession unto faith. the, The word has been planted, but it's not watered yet. It hasn't grown completely yet, or it needs to keep on growing to an even greater extent than what it already has. And for that to happen, that word has to be watered. We've got to hear the word. We've got to meditate on the word. And we're gonna be talking later about what does that mean to be meditating in the word of God? Of course, again and again, Psalms one, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. That's part of the watering process. And then once that we get to that place of faith, there is a confession of faith. So there is a confession unto faith, which is part of the watering process, part of the meditating process. You see, one of the definitions of meditate is to speak or to mutter. So we begin to say what God says about us again and again and again. And as we do, it's watering. It's watering that seed that's in our heart until that seed grows up and touches the place of faith and God brings the increase. So Romans chapter 10 and verse 6. But what? But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss, That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does faith say? It says the word is near you. Now, so often what we try to do is we try to put all the responsibility either on God or on somebody else. For example, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He's been up there with Peter, James, and John. Nine of his disciples have been left below. A man comes with a son who most likely was an epileptic. And the disciples tried to deliver the boy and were unable. And as Jesus comes down from the mountain, the man sees Jesus and he runs over to Jesus And he he says to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples and they were not able to help him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, please have mercy on us. Now, listen, what that man was doing was he was saying, Jesus, this is just all up to you. This is just up to you. Now, here's Jesus response. He said to the man, if you can believe he said, then all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus did not take all the responsibility and say, hey, this is just up to me. He said, no, sir, you need to believe. And so often what we do is we look at somebody else, a minister or someone or somebody's who's going to pray for us. And we think, well, it's all up to them. Or we think, God, it's just all up to you. But the truth is that that never works. That just doesn't work. We need to realize that we have responsibility, that there's something that we need to do. But what does faith say? The word is near you. It's near you. It's not, I'm going to put it off on on Joyce Myers or or I'm just going to put this off on God. The word of faith, it is near you. It is in your mouth and your heart, even the word of faith, which we preach. So the Bible tells us here that there is a confession of faith. And as again, I've been teaching There is also a confession unto faith where we confess God's word until that word has been watered and produced in our life. Again, what did Paul say? He said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. And the watering process is what so often we want to skip. That meditating process, that process of spending time in the word of God. Because it's the word of God that literally is food for our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it is literally the rhema of God. It's that word that that becomes revelation on the inside of our hearts. Jesus, again, Matthew 4, 4, said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God's word... Jesus said it came out of God's mouth. It was first spoken and then holy men of old, Peter says, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, but it was written so that you and I could speak it. When Jesus said this, he is in a confrontation with the devil. The devil tempts Jesus and Jesus says, it is written. The devil tempts Jesus, Jesus said it's written. Then the devil said, and then Jesus said, it is written. The way that Jesus obtained victory was by speaking the word of God. And right in the middle of that process, he's saying, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 24, I have the amplified translation here and I want to read it to you. It says, Pay attention to what you hear. For by your own standard of measurement, that is the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it is measured to you, and it will be given even greater ability to respond, and more will be given to you besides." Now notice that he says, "...to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom." It's the extent that you and I spend studying, meditating in the Word of God, that that Word gets down on the inside of us. In uh, Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon wrote this, and this is is so powerful. He said, My son, give attention to my words. Give attention to my Word. Uh, You know, when you're meditating and studying the Word of God, That doesn't mean you read a chapter in the Bible and you don't even remember what you read. It says, you need to give your attention to this. You need to be focused on God's word and incline your ear to my sayings. Make sure that what you're hearing is what God is saying, because there are so many things that you could be listening to in this world. You can be listening to the wrong voices and wrong voices brings wrong choices. So what we want to do is we want to do what the word says. We want to give attention to the word. We're focusing on this. This is where our attention is. In Psalms, it says you delight in the law of the Lord. I like to say it like this. Your delight is what you do when you just have a few free minutes. What is the first thing you're going to do? you got a little free time. Is the first thing that you're going to do, watch some sports? Is it going to be some television program? Is it, is it going to be a hobby? What is it going to be? But the Bible says our delight is to be in the law of the Lord. So we're giving attention. We're inclining our ear. We're making sure that we're hearing the right thing. And and, and I, I'm not saying this uh, to offend somebody, but you need to make sure that when you're hearing the word of God, you're not hearing a bunch of dead tradition and unbelief. Make sure that you're hearing the word of faith. Paul said, that's the word of faith that we preach. Make sure that you're hearing that word and not three stories in a poem. You want to hear the word of God. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. In other words, you're going to be staying there. You're going to be focusing on it. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those that find them. They are life to those that find them. You see, again, the seed's been planted, but it's gotta be watered. It's gotta be watered. And it's in that watering process that we find them. And then it says, in their health to all their flesh. And then a warning, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. Joshua eight. this book of the law, shall not depart out of your mouth. We need to be saying what God says about our situation. We need to know the chapter and verse. So often, uh, someone will come up and ask for prayer about a certain situation. And quite often, this will be my, my response. Well, what scriptures are you standing on? Or what verses are you believing? And quite often, the answer will be something like this. Well, just none in particular. Well, if you're not believing any scriptures in particular, the the, the word of God is what's got to be in your mouth. You've got to be speaking what God says. You've got to be speaking God's word. We've got to be believing God's word. Faith in God is always based on what God has said. We need to know what he said, and what he has said is his will. Somebody says, I don't know the will of God. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, that if you will change the way you think with God's word, then you will know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When when we've got God's word down on the inside of us, we know what the will of God is. So this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. We're going to say what God says about our situation. But you shall meditate therein day and night. So he's saying, spend time in the word. Now, you say, I can't be there 24 hours a day. That's not what it's saying. It's saying you're thinking about it. You're applying it to your situation. You're you're muttering that word. You're saying, this is what the verse says. This is what it means for me. This is how it affects this situation. This is what I need to do because of the word. That you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. Again, notice, it says when we have that word on the inside, And that word is watered and produced. It produces the good success. So often people think, well, God's just going to make me successful. No, what he is saying, he's saying the principles of the word of God on the inside of you are going to bring that success. So many people today, uh, particularly in Western Christianity, I, I, I see that they have the person of Jesus. They've given their life but they don't have the wisdom or the principles of Jesus. They don't have his word in their heart. And that's what's going to bring that success. So when the Israelites come into the promised land, the very first city is the city of Jericho. And God gives them a strategy. He says, Joshua, who's the leader, he says, march around the city one time every day for six days. And on the seventh day, go around seven times and after the seventh time, have the priests blow the trumpets, all the people shout and the walls will fall. Now, can you imagine doing this? You're walking around the third day, the fourth day. And I could imagine two people beginning to talk. Now here's what Joshua said. He said, no one says a word until the last day when you blow the trumpet and then shout. They were forbidden to speak. Because if they were walking around the third to the fourth day, people would be going, this is a dumb plan. We've already done this three, four times and nothing's going to happen. And our walking around this wall some more is not going to make any difference. I think that Joshua has lost his marbles and we need to get somebody else to lead because this is really stupid. I think the people on the inside are laughing and mocking us. But Joshua said, nobody say a word. Nobody say a word. He didn't want that negative word to be out there. In Genesis, the 35th chapter, there's a story of Abraham's descendants, and there's a man by the name of Jacob, and he has a wife by the name of Rachel, and she has stolen some idols, but he doesn't know it. And so when the man who owned the idols comes, whose name is Laban, he said, whoever has taken those idols, let them die. Let them die. He spoke those words. They didn't find the idols, but it's just a short period of time later, as they're coming into the promised land, or getting near a little town that today is called Ifrata. And uh, she's giving birth and she dies. And I've heard a number of Bible scholars speak on this who say the reason she lost her life, because her husband spoke words about her that she She had stolen something he didn't know she had stolen, and he had spoken death. Proverbs 18 says this, death and life, verse 21, are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat its fruit. The verse before says, a man's mouth will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he will be filled. So I want to ask you, what are you saying about your life? What is your confession? Are you confessing defeat and failure and bondage and sickness and depression? Are you the person who's saying, well, I'm never going to have victory. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to get free from these habits. I'm never going to be able to afford to have a nice house. Are you that person who's speaking those negative words or are you speaking words of faith? Because those words that you speak, the Bible says they're going to produce, you're going to be satisfied with the fruit of your lips. You've heard somebody say, you're going to eat those words. The truth is we eat our words because they are producing death and life are in the power of the tongue. And it really seems at times when I would read the Bible, it seems like God is constantly trying to teach us how to talk. So Jesus is staying right outside Jerusalem in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, a little town called Bethany. He gets up in the morning, and he's three miles, not even maybe, to, to Jerusalem. And as they're walking down Mount Sculpas and the Mount of Olives, he sees a fig tree. And he goes over, and he looks for some figs, and he doesn't find any. And he says to the tree, no one ever eat fruit of you again forever. Now, I, I want to point out, the Bible says that he cursed the tree. But he didn't say four-letter words to the tree. He spoke negative words to that tree. They went into Jerusalem, to the temple he preached. They walked back by the tree, went back to Bethany. And the next morning, as they come by the tree, the disciples look and see that that tree has withered up from its roots. Now, when Jesus said something, something happened, but it happened in the root system. It happened in the core, in the heart of the tree. And it took 24 hours for it to become visible. But that tree had died. And the disciples said, Jesus, look at the tree that you curse. That's what Jesus said to them. He said, have faith in God. Now, this is important. We need to put our faith in what God says about us, about what Jesus has purchased for us in his redemption, in his death, burial, and resurrection. He said, for assuredly or verily, I say to you, Truly, some translations say, now this is what we know. Jesus always tells the truth. But when he starts a conversation with you saying, I'm going to tell you the truth, it means, number one, he's going to tell you the truth, and number two, you won't believe it. So Jesus just warns us right off the bat. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you something that's true, and when you hear this, you will not believe this. But it is true. Jesus said it's true. He said, I say to you that whosoever will say, to this mountain. Notice that Jesus, when he talks about faith, he says the way faith, the first thing Jesus says about faith is whosoever will say, if you were to ask most of my friends, or you to ask me about faith, I might say, well, faith is trust and faith is confidence and faith is believing. But Jesus, when he talked about faith, the first thing that he said was whosoever will say, whosoever will say. In other words, The first thing that our faith will ever move is our mouth. The first thing your faith is going to move is going to be the words that come out of your mouth, that those words are going to be God's words. They're going to be what God says about your situation. Whosoever will say to this mountain, He didn't say to talk to God about your mountain. He said, you talk to that mountain. You talk to the sickness. You talk to the disease. You talk to the giant. You talk to the circumstances. You talk to the addiction. You talk to the finances. You talk to the checkbook. You begin to speak. You begin to say, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. Now, notice what Jesus said. He said, whosoever will say. I am telling you right now, this will work for you. This will work for whosoever will say. Now, all you've got to do to be disqualified is keep your mouth shut. But this will work when you say. Because faith is constantly speaking. But what does faith say? Faith is saying something. Faith will say what God says. So, if you don't say something you're disqualified. But he said, whosoever will say to this mountain. Now, when we read this, I don't know how we get confused, but somehow we think that Jesus is saying, look, I'm Jesus and I can do this, but you can't. But that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, look, disciples, I'm God. I'm Jesus. I learned to do this in heaven. And if you were to try to do this, if you were to try to speak to a tree or to a mountain, my goodness, you'd blow the lips off your face. That's not what he said. He said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. He said, it will obey you if you do not doubt in your heart. Don't doubt in your heart. Now, now here's where a lot of times we miss it. We've got faith, but there's also doubt. But you have to have more faith than you have doubt. When Jesus is going to uh, d- deliver that epileptic boy we talked about earlier, Jesus said to the man, he said, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes, he said, I do believe help my unbelief. I do believe help my unbelief. You see, so often we've got some faith, but we've also got some unbelief and our unbelief is so large that it counteracts our faith. And we've got to get rid of that unbelief. You say, how do you do it? Meditating in the word of God meditating in God's word. So he said, you'll be, ca- be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. It's interesting to me that most Christians say what they have. They give you a report. They said, this is what I've got. I've got this, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this. Jesus said, you will have what you say. So what Jesus is saying is, don't look at what you have. Look at what I promise you. Look at what I purchased for you. You say you're sick, but he said, by, his, by my stripes, you're healed. You say you're sick, but God says, I'll forgive all your iniquities and heal all your sicknesses. So what you need to be saying is, I receive healing. He heals all my sicknesses. I believe I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Jesus said, you'll have what you say. If all you do is say what you have, all you will ever have or all you'll ever get is what you already have. Jesus said, don't look at what's in front of you. Look at the promises of God. God didn't look at the darkness and say, it's really dark. He said, let there be light. You don't look at a sickness and say, sickness is where I'm at. No, you look at healing and say, healing belongs to me. We need to say what God says. And Jesus said, we'll have whatsoever we say. Job said, how forceful are right words. Philemon six, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. How do you supercharge your faith? It's by acknowledging every good thing that you have in Christ. I know all that is in the Bible, but it doesn't seem real to me, somebody said. I know all that's in the Bible, but it doesn't seem real to me. It will become real when you begin to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You need to say what God says about your situation. When we do that, it supercharges our faith. We, it, it, our, our faith becomes effectual. And again, I said it before. It's like God is trying to teach us how to talk. So he says in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. In Psalms 107, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In Isaiah 59, he says, my word that I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants, descendants from this time forth and forevermore. In Psalms 57, God said, I create the fruit of the lips. In Joel, he said, let the weak say, I am strong. In uh, Job chapter 23, he says, you will also declare or decree a thing and it will be established for you. And so light will shine on your way. And when they cast you down and you say, exaltation will come. Then he, God, will save the humble man. Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Yeah, we need to put our faith in God. In Psalms 91, David said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom will I trust? In Romans 8, it says, what shall we then say to these things? You know, he said, "I'm, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Romans, in Hebrews 13, it says, therefore, we will boldly say... The Lord is my helper. Revelation 12, verse 11 says this. It says, and they that you overcome him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. We need to say what the blood has purchased for us. And of course, Romans 10, verse eight says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. We need to put God's word in our mouth. And we need to be meditating in that word and watering the word that has been planted in our hearts. Say, God made fish to swim in an ocean. He made eagles to fly in the sky, but he made you to have relationship with him. And if you don't have relationship with God, you're living life, but you're not living life to its fullest. You're not living life the way you were intended to live life. Your purpose is to have relationship with God. And if you're watching today and you realize I'm not right with God and I don't have that relationship, would you bow your head and pray a prayer right now with me and begin that relationship with God? Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you that you love me, that you've heard my prayer, that you receive me, that I am forgiven, and I'm a part of your family now, today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, If you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually. It's full of bullet points that are really going to make a difference in your spiritual walk, and I want to give it to you absolutely free. Now you can download that book or you can contact us and we'll send you a hard copy.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, you are making one of the best decisions of your life and that is so good. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it right there instantly or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith, or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. Walking by Faith is used to change lives all around the world on and off the air. We would love for you to partner with us and help make a difference in the lives of others by logging onto walkingbyfaith.tv slash If you're in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we wanna connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. We'll see you again next time.